It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, June 1st, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is excited to talk about some more prospects for the draft for us. We've got Andrew Crystal and Gavin McCarthy. Yeah, bring it on. All right, we'll do that, plus get into some player development staff changes behind the scenes at the Flyers, all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with prospect expert Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube. We're now on the SiriusXM app as well. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, uh, we got some news, not from the Flyers, but from Anthony DeMarco over at the fourth period about some player development staff changes that have happened with the Flyers and some potential other ones, which have not been uh, set in stone yet. But Uh, apparently Riley Armstrong, who is an assistant coach with the Phantoms from, uh, I believe the last two years, uh, Mm -hmm. with, with Lappy, um, will be the new director of player development. Uh, so Mike O'Connell, um, will be leaving as well as John Riley, who have been part of the group for a while now. And uh, our and that our supposition is correct that Alan McCauley will likely become the GM for the Phantoms. Again, um, good group of guys, not a ton of experience uh, doing these jobs. So I'll be watching. Like that's you know that's just a fact. Um, I looked at Riley Armstrong, Armstrong, and and I saw that. Uh, he has a history with the main Mariner, so clearly uh, Briere knows him, and that's great. Uh, I don't know if he's ever set up a rookie camp, as an example. I think that's kind of a complicated thing to do. And, you know, it's not just about what these guys are doing on ice in drills on ice. There's a lot of off-ice stuff. There's a lot of training techniques. There's a lot of things on land that we never get to see that they're recording and measuring and doing all those things. And I would like to see, you know, if there are – advancements in that because i know uh it's easy for like a reporter to kind of look look at camp and you know shoot a video and say look look they're doing this drill that's a really small fraction of of what you're trying to do there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than that yeah my my understanding is that riley armstrong does a a really good job with the phantoms Mm -hmm. and and you know as a coach and and i think that you know there are absolutely some transferable skills here i think sure. that part of the inherent role of an ahl coach is player development because you have a lot of prospects on the team there and as an assistant coach you're focused on more specifics of gameplay and individual player stuff as opposed to the head coach who looks at overall 
strategy and overall systems and, and things like that. Uh, so, you know, I think that it could be a good thing, but I think to your point, there is a lack of experience with some of the other stuff. And this is a wait and see thing for me. Not going to prejudge, but, you know, I, I don't know. There isn't a proven history here either to fall back on. To right. Show That's all I'm saying. That he's, yeah. And and if I were him and like if it were me and I got hired in that spot, there were two or three people that I would have hired already and had it all be announced at the same time. Like, hey, it's not just me but it's me and it's this skating coach and it's this shooting coach and it's, you know, and, and maybe they'll do that, but I don't get the sense that they're doing that. Not right away. At least the fact that we're finding out about this information piecemeal without a cohesive announcement from the team leads me to believe that maybe you're right, that they're waiting until they have more of those pieces in place and, and are kind of saying, we want to reintroduce our whole hockey ops team Maybe. together. And and that's a could be a good thing too because mm -hmm. I think, you know, if you show how all these different people fit together and why you hired each of them and how that fits together as a a cohesive group that'll take this team forward because the Flyers are in a mode where they're going to do a rebuild and rebuilds are largely done through drafting and developing. Yeah. This is going to be such a critical role of what the Flyers do over the next 3 to 5 years, especially that I think having the right group in place is going to be critical. Yeah, it's very important. There's no question about it. Uh, I think from uh, an optic standpoint, again, uh, and this is something that has gone through the Chuck Fletcher group and is now trickling into Briere's, and that is we don't get information quick enough from this franchise. We just don't. We 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 hear these little leaks and three or four days ahead of before they you know end up announcing it and they used to be a little bit um quicker to that or more transparent than that and we just don't see that yet yeah it's it's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of the the summer rolls out on this front with all this player development staffing um Tony Androkidis, uh, who covers the AHL, was able to confirm some of that information, uh, as well as saying uh, Brady Robinson is going to be a goalie development coach in the organization, uh, staying with the organization. And Shell mm -hmm. Samuelson is going to move from his player development role to a different role uh, as yet to be determined. Uh, so there will be some additional changes. And, you know, right. we talked about, you know, at least I talked about one of my nemesis of the week candidates was what is that first big move going to be right what is that first thing they do to put their mark on the organization and if this wholesale adjustment of the player development group and who they're bringing in um, is that uh, it'll be interesting to see how they actually formally roll it out yeah like as an example I don't think there's anybody on staff that could replace Shell and what Shell was doing he he has done it for a lot of years I feel yeah, like he's, he's gotten, he knows defensemen better than almost anybody. He's, he's gotten very good results. He's also worked with his son, who's a very good defenseman. I mean, there's, you know, there's some, there's a lot of talent there. So I don't think there's anybody on staff that they have. This is one where I feel like they need to bring it in from the outside. But if they don't, then, you know, I'm going to be a little skeptical and say, okay, these are big shoes to fill. Not because he's a big six foot seven guy, right. but, but they're big shoes to fill. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shell Samuelson has been such a critical part of this organization's history uh, yeah. on and off the ice. And so I hope they find the right role for him. 
Me too. Uh, especially uh, just because I, I think he's a, a tremendous hockey mind that needs to, we need to benefit from his experience. Yeah. And no the way question. he does it quietly, but methodically without demanding any public adoration or credit, like what, like what a guy, honestly. Right. No, he, it's true. I mean, he really doesn't get much except for the couple of interviews we do with him in rookie camp or training camp. And, mm-hmm. but the guys love him and, and he works really well with people like he does he's a you know and that's the thing so we'll we'll see again that's a tough position to fill yeah absolutely uh i do want to follow up a little bit on yesterday's discussion we had on the flyers draft philosophy uh, coming out of our mailbag questions and you know we as part of that asked to say okay fans like what do you think the temperature of the fan base is in terms of what they're number seven overall pick should look like or is it best available no matter what or is there a flyers type that you want the flyers to just whatever they they do just to pick the best of their type mm-hmm. right and so we got some interesting responses uh over on youtube the user polar bear which i love that name that's great uh, says fans want whatever player regardless of size that projects to be a top talent that should be had picking in this draft i don't care if they're six four or five five i just want top line talent and hopefully steal an elite player to picking early in these drafts which makes a lot of sense right that was something that i said that a lot of fans just kind of acquiesce to the point where they're like hey i just want a good player and we need a player that's effective and i get it and and so i do feel like he represents a lot of them Yeah. And David said something similar. I'd like to see the Flyers select the best available player. I don't care if he's 5'5". It's good to have some size. There are games where you need that. I think a well-rounded team with great shooters, playmakers, speedsters, and heavy hitters will be best suited for the variety of teams that the Flyers will face. And I think that's what we were saying as well. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Like, we just want a well-rounded team. And based on who the Flyers currently have in the prospect pipeline, taking a risk on a smaller more skilled player with a higher upside is maybe the right move to make now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that, you know, these other kinds of players aren't valid. We just have them. So right. we don't need them right now. Right. And, and I, I think that's, you know, that aligns with what uh, David here is saying. And then yeah. Brendan had a, a comment, please don't draft to suit torts, which again, we have he's said, right. yeah, he's totally right. So uh, all great thoughts uh, from y'all out there. Keep them yep. coming if you have them. And uh, in the meantime, we are going to continue to talk about options for the Flyers at seven and uh, further down the draft. We are going to start with Andrew Crystal, and we will do that coming up next. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs right now. New customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Again, I'm going to tell you, bet Miami. Bet Miami or make prop bets on Jokic. He's he's fun to watch. The best parts about betting on FanDuel are that they have great promotions every day, safe and secure app, get paid instantly. There's no better place. Bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date 
on all the flyers news and our episodes. You can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail. Keep those flyers draft thoughts coming. Uh, talking about Andrew Crystal, um, he is on the Kelowna Rockets in the WHL, a left wing, uh, another of the slightly smaller crew uh, at 5'10", 165. So he has not filled out yet. That's no. for sure. That's true. And, uh, you know, has a, maybe a little growing, but definitely a lot of working out to do to, mm-hmm. to bulk up. Um, he's ranked as high as eight and low as 35 right now. And I, I think there's a reason for that, um, we'll, which we'll get to. But he had 95 points in 54 games this season for Kelowna. Like, just a monster season. Yeah. Um, big scoring streaks. You know, just um, a tremendous playmaker. Like, you watch mm-hmm. it. His passes are just so smart and precise. And he has just great vision of of the ice. Um, he did have an injury this season, uh, which he had to recover from, but seemed to have done so uh, for the most part. Uh, all right. I think the for me, the reason why the range is so high on him is because of U18s. I think, you know, with some of these rankings that happened after U18s, he went down a peg or two because he struggled a little bit um, early in that tournament and it took him a while to get on the board. Um, once he did, I thought, you know, he was okay in the seven games played. He had six points, two goals and four assists, but that is certainly not the production that was expected of him going into that tournament. And so I think where he may have been at five or six, now he's like at seven to 10 <laughs> in a lot of people's eyes. I have him around 10. And then I dropped him to, I want to say, maybe 15, 18. The biggest reason was U18s, but also lack of commitment to defense. And it is something that, hey, he could get better at. I'm not saying he's bad defensively. I'm saying is mm-hmm. it's not a focus of his right now. He's in a point, you know, he's he's in a role where he's so good offensively that he's not asked to play a lot of defense. So he's kind of like that last guy in. And and so that to me was like, all right, between those two things, I was forced to drop him. And so I did. It doesn't mean he has less talent. It's a situation where others are just showing better. So it's like that. I think he's a really good player. Yeah, I got him at 16. Um, but he, you know, he'll be there at seven for the Flyers. And I'm not saying it's a bad pick. Because there's a lot to like there. Like you said, uh, good passer. Very tricky around the net. Very good hands. Uh, solid wrist shot. Really good on the power play. Stick and puck control could be some of the best in the, in, the, uh, in the draft. So skating's really good. There's a lot to like there. It's just he's more of a project. you got to build up his body. you got to work on his defense. But guess what? That's 90% of the, of the guys you draft. I just explained what they need to work on that's a norm. Right. So you have to decide as an organization, Hey, where do we envision him? Even if you don't envision him as a center, where do we envision as a, sorry, as a left wing, maybe you think he's a right wing. Where do you envision him? You know, and, and there's a chance that this guy could be a top liner, but I don't think so, but I think he's a second liner, a really good one. And again, 
you have a really good second liner in Travis Konechny. He's a top liner for the Flyers, but he's not a top liner around the league. You could be, you know, drafting a guy that, and he's not similar to Konechny because there's a lot different right, games. Right. But it's just the idea of where they could end up. That part is similar to how Konechny's career has been. Yeah, and I think, you know, with a guy like Crystal, you're betting on his development process. Yes. Here, where you think because of what the Flyers are doing with a rebuild that you can wait three or four years for him to really blossom and you can put in the time and the energy that you need to develop him properly. And it's okay that he won't be here sooner. And I think that's a valid philosophy to have for this pick, um, given... You know, we talked about the timeline for the cap yesterday on the show. And, you know, we're not going to be signing any prominent free agents until like three years from now, likely. Right. So if he's if Crystal's not here for three or four years, that's OK. Right? Yeah. And, and to go and, over and that, he people, does have that upside. Right. Yeah. People were a little confused. We did this three year deal because that's what we think the Flyers are going to be working under, not that what we mm. were be working under. So, again, yeah. He falls in this range. He does. Yep. He might be a year after that. And if things are really smoothed over and you've got a higher talent level, yeah, he's, there's going to be a good role for a guy like this. So don't worry about the gully that there is like between where someone like me has him, where someone like, I don't know, let's say TSN has him in the top 10 and then somebody else has him like 30. Don't worry about that so much. Worry about where he might fit in the organization. That's what you're you're trying to project. That's what really matters. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, even looking at some of the things that he's weaker on, you mentioned defense. I think for forwards that are prolific scorers and junior like this, they almost always lack in defense, mm -hmm. right? And that's something they learn. And I think to me, it's sometimes often more beneficial for them to learn better defensive play as it in their older stages like this, because yeah. they're working towards something and toward a system in the NHL first off. So they know what to focus on and they learn better habits that way. They mm -hmm. learn it at higher speeds. They learn it at higher hockey IQ across the board uh, rather than, you know, having their own defensive play set, you know, their muscle memory set younger when the competition isn't as good, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why I see learning defensive skills later in their development as an okay thing. Um, you know, I have read in a couple places that, you know, his skating technique is good. He just doesn't have the speed quite there yet. And that's also something I think is, yeah, it's the strength and it's because he's smaller and he's not built up out yet, right? Right. And so I think that this is, you know, again, a thing that he could work on and get better on. And I think he could be one of those guys that's a, a hidden gem in a lot of ways that people are going to underestimate going into the draft, but could have a very high upside in the long run. Yeah. I mean, he's got a good hockey IQ. Uh, he is, a, even though he's a winger, he's kind of a playmaker too. And he has playmaking abilities and the flyers don't have a lot of those guys in their system. And that's what you have to look at. You can't just try and, you know, load up on scorers. You got to try and get guys to make the scorers better. And, uh, you know, and have that well-rounded team. We just need, and that's about. what you do need for that well-rounded mm -hmm. team. And so, yeah, I'm not against them 
drafting a guy like this. I'm sure there'll be some groans from fans when they see 165 pounds, but you know, whatever. You just got to get over that. Some fans, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> as some. we just talked about. Yeah. I think that's spot on. And um, I think the old, the reason not to draft him is because you have more confidence in the skill and the place on the team in other guys over right. him, that he's just lower on your list. And I think that's also fair. And we, we wanted to talk about Andrew because he has been mentioned in a lot of cases and there are high expectations for him. Mm -hmm. moving forward and so it's really important to discuss these kinds of guys because you know teams go off the board a little bit and surprise you and the flyers could be one of those teams that do it yeah absolutely i mean again uh the flyers have picked guys from the western league that's you know that's a fact you know Provorov came for the western league just as an example so yeah you've got to stay up on some of those players because you don't get to see them as often you don't get to hear about them as often in this part of the world and so, yeah, I wanted to bring him in and you wanted to bring him in because of that. Yep. All right. Well, we are going to continue to talk about third round pick options because those are important too. You got to you know, draft good prospects at that level as well. We're going to talk about Gavin McCarthy coming up next. So, Russ, you wanted to talk about Gavin McCarthy. Uh, he mm -hmm. plays for the Muskegon Lumberjacks in the USHL. I love that, Muskegon Lumberjacks. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, but they are not a great team. They're in the bottom third of the league. So got to take, you know, where Gavin falls in the stat list with a grain of salt because, again, yeah. did not have a lot of great guys around him. But he is a defenseman. So we haven't talked a, a, a ton about defensemen. Um, at this level in the draft. He's 6'1", 182 pounds, so not a small guy. Um, he is the second highest uh, points on Muskegon for defensemen. And um, he is a younger draft prospect. Uh, tomorrow yep. is his birthday. So happy birthday, Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he's just turning 18 then and and so you know he's got a little bit more time to develop as we've mentioned with some of the younger guys he's ranked late second round to early fourth round so this is like prime third round yep uh territory here and um my personal favorite thing about him is he's a boston university commit for next year excellent program his older brother case uh, who is a new jersey devils prospect uh plays for uh bu is also a defenseman and is returning for his fifth year with the school because remember they all got an extra yep. year of eligibility. To watch his brother. That's be with his brother. Watch his brother. We we talked about a brother deal yesterday. Yeah. I love this. Go play but, with your um, brother. It's great. But Case is going to be the captain of BU. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. So his I didn't know that. older brother. Yeah. So uh, Gavin's older brother is going to be his captain next year, which is I think a again a great situation for him to be walking into next year at BU. And uh, so that's, you know, I, I think a good overview of him, but why did you want to talk about him specifically? Russ? So I had seen him play uh, early in the season with Muskegon and I've kind of tracked him. Uh, he's a right-hand shot defenseman. So that's good. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a draft that isn't, doesn't have super high end talent on defense, but has, you know, a fair amount of depth and he's part of that depth. Uh, he plays in all situations. He's got a really good first pass. Uh, he can do like the, the flip pass if you want. 
he's physical. He's got a lot of snarl in his game. So, you know, this is a guy you look at and say, yeah, he's a four five or a six. That's, that's what you're looking at. And most likely, you know, you're, you're probably thinking, yeah, he's going to probably be a third pairing guy, but you never know. Some of these guys develop quickly and because he's young, there's a lot of runway there. So I looked at it because of that. I wrote about him on Buffalo hockey now because like, you know, that's a team. The Sabres have multiple third rounders and the Flyers do too. Like this is the kind of guy that if you're not going to go get a goalie, go make your defense stronger. And, uh, you know, he got traded in the, uh, in the Shane Wright deal. So now Windsor has his rights, uh, not Windsor Kingston has his rights. Cause there was like a whole, like, you know, a lot of times when they do deals for like a big time player, like Shane, Wright, It's like seven players and he was right. one of them. So that's where his rights are. It won't matter. He's going to college, but, uh, I think it, it's interesting or interesting to note that at least the other team acquired him just in case. So obviously they think something of him. No, Case is his brother. Russ. No, 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 no. That I'm was saying... just a joke. You oh, said just in case. I get it. <laughs> Sometimes I'm in prospect mode and I'm not getting it quick enough. No, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, this is, um, I feel like if you get a guy like this, he is smart. He he has that size. There's some offense in his game. He's a good puck mover. Does a lot of things well. And so, you know, I could look at this guy and say, yeah, it's probably a, a better version of like a Robert Hag. You know, like that's, mm-hmm. you know, sort of what you're looking at. If you can get a guy like that in the middle of the draft that you could have in your team for five, seven years, you go get him. And and I would be really in favor of him getting this guy. Uh, I just I just like his all-around game, his hustle to loose pucks. There's a lot to like here and he's just one of those guys that's probably gonna slip a little uh just because there's a lot of offensive talent but there'll be a point where teams say you know we got to start focusing on defense and and that's when he's gonna go i don't know if it'll be at the end of the second but i could see it going in the third i i'd be surprised if he lasts till the fourth right yeah you mentioned um you know he plays in all situations that was the thing that i noticed you know digging into his ice time was that he does get quality power play time yeah and i think that's important to look at when you're drafting a defenseman um in terms of the situations he plays in and you know i think while he's not like a hugely prolific scorer um i i think you know looking at the team he's been on again is a big part of that where he, yeah. he doesn't have a lot of support, but um, not, you know, he did make significant improvement between uh, the season before and this mm-hmm. past season. So that's good. Uh, went from 13 points to 27 points in fewer games. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a big deal. And uh, the year before he did uh, get a little bit of time with team USA in the four nations tournament and uh, played really well there from all reports I could find. And so, You know, I think that, yeah, this is like a perfect third round kind of player, right? I agree. Where there's just so much potential there and you look at him going to BU in that environment, um, like, I think he really has an opportunity to thrive there. He's just going to have to work really hard. Yeah. And, And he seems like the kind of kid that would do that. Yeah. From all indications, he would do that. And I think the Flyers will have competition at some point in the third to do it. So, you know, maybe this is where they have to move up in the third to get him, whatever. It depends where he is on their board, but hopefully he's on their board. 
Yeah, I think uh, he he would be a great candidate for one of those picks. Um, want to wrap things up with a little fun thing. Andrew Crystal scored a lacrosse goal a couple of years ago, so wanted to include that highlight in the show notes for today. We will do that. Uh, it's a pretty sweet one too. So highly just recommend. don't show it to John. <laughs> All right. That will do it for today's show. Uh, Every day or tomorrow on the show, we will be talking about free agency a little bit, which uh, it's June. So we got to start thinking about these things. We're a month month away from the first day of free agency. So we got to start thinking about those potential targets in a rebuild, which is always an interesting task. So uh, we will be back with that tomorrow. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So if you've got mailbag questions or flyers draft thoughts, you can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers, email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail, or comment over on YouTube. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russum at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.